What's up, everybody? Welcome to this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports, where we discuss the Washington Nationals and their extreme uh, entrance into the World Series and the possibility of either meeting the Yankees or the Astros. We discuss the NBA and LeBron and his comments concerning uh, China. And we also discuss some NFL news uh, concerning uh, Marcus Peters and also Jalen Ramsey and just some other NFL type of uh, topics. And then what's the episode without talking about Coco Golf and her sustained success moving into her new season of the tennis season. So please join in on this week's episode of Guys Talking Sports. What's up, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Guys Talking Sports. I'm here with my boy E, Al. Yeah, we thought he was back, but he went back out on an assignment. I guess he had to find something going on over in China, you know, so he's uh, over there uh, <laughs> mining the streets and getting into perspectives of the Chinese and all this crap that's going on in the NBA. But I'm not here to judge. He gets to travel. I'm sitting here with you. I'd rather be with you guys than over in China anyway, so it's all good. E. What's going on? It's good. I'm listening to the wind and the rain blow outside, the acorns falling, the bomb cyclone, rain-wise, that is, not the bomb cyclone snow (laughs) that you said was supposed to get two years ago and didn't get. So it's very rainy. It's very windy. It's typical August, I mean August, excuse me, typical fall weather. Exactly. Yeah, I I was fortunate. I uh, got up this morning, walked the dog. No rain. Drove to work this morning. No rain. Rain happened all day. When I left work after five, no rain. So I guess I was fortunate. Well, lucky you. (laughs) (laughs) But it's all good, man. The rain does the body, does the world good. So we'll just go ahead and enjoy it. Makes for a peaceful sleep as well. But whether here nor there, let's just jump right into it. First of all, let's, congr- let's congratulate the Washington Nationals on making their uh, first appearance to the, uh, to the World Series as the Washington Nationals. Not the first time a D.C. team has been to the World Series. I believe, and don't quote me, a D.C. team has made it to the World Series either in the 1920s or the 1930s. I do not know the exact date. but I I know. 1933. Well, there it is. First team since 1933 from the D.C. area to make it to the World Series. So now let me let me let me preference that winning the World Series 1933, making it to the final World Series. I mean, uh, as a statistician to figure that one out. Ah, okay. Well, last and it time could be, D- and it could be one the same. <laughs> <laughs> last time a DC team made it to the World Series and won was 1933. Yes. We're going to go ahead and just say congratulations to the Washington Nationals for going out there and going out there and just. Defying odds, you know, they were 12 games back early, early in the season, fought their way back, made it back into the uh, into the playoffs as a wild card, won the one-game series, then turned around and won the series against the uh, the Dodgers in five, and then turned around and swept the, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals. So, obviously, this team is de- destined for greatness, and I just kind of feel for Bryce Harper. <laughs> <laughs> Not to say that he didn't want to bring this type of uh, winning feeling to, to D.C., but 
it's kind of bittersweet. <laughs> you know, uh, he didn't do it. He decided he's going to go ahead and take less money to go to the Phillies and play over, I don't know, uh, 20 or 30 years of however they're paying him. His Ten contract, years. <laughs> Ten-year contract. And opted to leave the Nationals. And what happens? He leaves and they go ahead and make it to the World Series. So with all that said and done, what, what is your take on the situation? You know, when Bryce Harper first came to the, you know, to the Phillies, you know, you know, and I was thinking about it today on the way home from work. I was thinking about that picture image when um, Antonio Brown um, signed with the Patriots and he put up that meme or that picture with him sitting on the bed of money with his shades on talking about business is booming, counting his ones. Mm. That's what I think about with Bryce Harper today. He's probably sitting there and like, yeah, as he counts his money, his, you know, 20 million this year, 20 million next year, 25 million years after that. All that money he's going to get from the Phillies. And I would be highly surprised if the Philadelphia, if the Phillies make the World Series at any time of his tenure with Philly. Oh, wow. Anytime, you say. <laughs> anytime in his tenure with Philly. Um, but on the second hand, he's got to be like, God dang. Without me, <laughs> right. not, not the second year, not the third year, not the fifth year, but the very next season after you leave, they make it all to the World Series in good fashion by sweeping the um, by sweeping the St. Louis Cardinals and beating the Dodgers. So, <sighs> you know, he's got to probably feel a little something to that when he woke up this morning. He's probably sitting back there in his big mansion. Probably somewhere thinking, like, come on, lose, 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 right. lose. Praying that the Cardinals would come back from a 3 1, I mean, from a um, 3 deficit and beat and beat the Nationals just so he can say, see, if you had me, but that's neither here nor there. But like you said, we got to give credit where credit is due. Um, the Washington Nationals um, are in the World Series. Um, they swept the Cardinals, they beat the Dodgers. Um, and I even saw something earlier that said that on June 1st, the Nationals had the same record as the Detroit Tigers, who themselves didn't make it to the uh, <laughs> make it to the playoffs. Um, they got their, their, their um, winning your end game, and look at them now. I mean, they are firing on all cylinders right at this point. And probably, I, I guess it doesn't necessarily matter who comes out of the um, the Yankees and or the, um, the Houston Nationals. Yeah. We don't know. It's, <laughs> it's that next. But if I'm both of them teams, I'll be very nervous about playing a very hot, very motivated um, Washington National teams that for them, most people thought they had no business, A, being in there, B, getting this far, and C, you know, sweeping the um, sweeping the Cardinals. So if I'm the Yankees or, or the Astros, I'm, I'm very nervous about, you know, making it to the World Series and playing a very hot, very motivated team that has absolutely nothing to lose. Well, I'll put it like this. On paper, you want to see the Nats and the Astros in a World Series because you've got the two best teams with the two best pitching rotations built for the playoffs. As a Yankees fan, I say hogwash. <laughs> I want to see the Yankees win, but I do understand, and I'm I'm not I'm not stupid. I understand that you know Houston has 
obviously the better the, the better starting rotation than the Yankees. The Yankees has the better bullpen, but if your starters give up three runs, because that's all they need really is three runs, <laughs> and they're starting pitching, you don't get but a single run, and then you try to sit there and claw claw your way back. What good does it do you? So, if I had to say reality, I would say I would still say Houston is seven. I don't think the Yankees are just going to roll over and die, but you never know. This is a pivotal game for um, maybe the extra day's rest might have done them some good with the with the rain out today, and they're playing again tomorrow. But um, I don't know. Uh, and Nats team, that Scherzer, that that uh, Strasburg, Strasburg, and Corbin, uh, Corbin, right? Yeah, that's uh, that's that's about as good as a one, two, three that you could ever hope for, hope for, as opposed to the Houston's top three, uh, Verlander. Uh, can't think of the other two, but obviously, you know, oh, Verlander, Cole, and somebody else. Cranky. Oh, cranky. Right. You know, so I don't know. Uh, not to deviate from the Nats, but congrats. Well-deserved. Uh, as a Jersey transplant down here to D.C. back in uh, 2006 and kind of adapting to, uh, the Nationals as my second team, always will be second to my beloved Yankees. But, uh, <laughs> I saw this team when they were decent. I feel really, really good for uh, – I can't even think of his name right now. But he's the only remaining standing player from the initial draft class back in the early 2000s. Oh, yeah. Okay. I can't think of his name either. Yeah, but. I can't think of his name either. Some fan I am of the Nats, right? <laughs> hey. I, hey, I blame living in, D, uh, in the Baltimore area. I don't really get to listen to the Nats that much anymore. But um, congrats. Uh, I couldn't. I couldn't wish – for a team more deserving, and I would not be – I would be happy if if it were the Yankees and the Nats and the Nats won because I, I, I don't lose either way. And personally, I would love to see the Yankees do it. The Yankees got 27 rings. 28, you know, go ahead and get it next year. Let the Nats go ahead and get their one. And let's keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the Yankees, the, 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 the true, the first Lord of the Rings. <laughs> mm-hmm. Exactly. As long as Boston is still shitty, and as long as, <laughs> as, long as Tampa is this where Tampa is, I'm good. I don't care if the Yankees don't win. Just as long as Boston don't do better than the Yankees. <laughs> well, I mean, I know, I know, I know you know, it's got to be popping down there right now in, um, in the D.C. area. Um, I mean, look, Nats are finding out life is better without Harper. I know a lot of people are going into the season a little bit, you know, worried about how things are going to be. But like you said, that pitching staff – you know, started popping and clicking at the right time. And as everybody said, you know, you know, home runs, you know, win your games in the in regular season, but it's the pitching that'll win you uh, playoff games in a World Series. And right now the Nats are popping at the right time. And like you said, all credit is due to them. They, they're, they're, they're looking real strong right now. Um, they're going to pose a problem to whomever comes out of this series. Um, and even if we are switching to the series, um, in my opinion, the Yankees' formula has to be the way that they won game number one, and that was jump out early on, on the um, on the pitcher, get a nice good lead, and then 
force, you know, you know, force Houston to have to go into their bullpen, you know, earlier than they want to. And then once they do that, then that to me, that's the recipe for the Yankees winning. Um, Cole, he pitched seven innings. They weren't clean seven innings. I mean, the Yankees had their opportunities. I mean, he did leave some people, you know, out there, but whatever reason, they just couldn't bring anybody home. But I think game two, I think about the one play, I think it was in the sixth inning when um, I think it was LeMahieu rounded out second, I mean, rounded out third and came home, and he got tagged right at the bag. Um, on the one hand, you can say, all right, wait to, you know, don't run it in, you know, stop at third base, have the bases loaded. Um, but they were had two outs on three. Maybe someone could have popped in a fly, you know, over, you know, the right field and got one in because all I needed was one run. Yeah. Maybe, but I, on the one hand, I can see they were trying to go for broke. They were trying to take it if they could because I don't think they were comfortable that they could, you know, that they could secure the win down the stretch. Um, so they tried it. They got tagged out. That's baseball for you, but. They got to win. They, 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 they better, better win game four. Well, that's the thing. You know, there's still at uh, the time of the game where uh, Verlander was still pitching. So you still got to take every opportunity to get as many runs against Verlander as possible because you don't know when they're going to come. <laughs> yeah. So I, I'm not mad at that situation, but game two, if, if they lose in five, game two is going to be that pivotal that's the reason why they lost. They're going to go and bite them in the behind, yeah. Exactly. If it goes seven, then obviously there's some other uh, dy- dynamics that went on that, that you know, paved the way for a seven-game series. But if they go ahead and lose game three, series is done. You mean game four? I'm sorry, yes. If they lose game four, series is done because now it's going back to Verlander because they got that extra day's rest due to the rain. Oh, you and and they're gonna adjust their lineup to put the boys, yeah. you know, the top boys back in. Because they, because obviously, you know, because it's two two, then one one one. They don't want to go back to New York. So if they win Game Three in New York, they want to close it out in Houston. So they don't have to go back to New York. So I'm not mad at them. You know, the Yankees just gotta take care of business. Game Four, go out there against this lowly whoever the hell this person is, take care of business, and uh, hopefully go back to series 2-2 and hopefully you still another game in Houston like you did game one. Yeah, and I don't blame him. Who wants to come back to New York in, in October? You know, you know, windy, rainy, cold. You don't know, if, even though the weather up here has been a little bit helter-skelter. It's not like, you know, middle 50s or middle 60s. It's actually been middle 60s to low 70s. So it's actually been kind of pleasant up until today. But I agree with you. Uh, I think they want to they desperately want to go back to Houston uh, with a commanding 3-1 lead um, and not and end it there, not come back to New York. Right, right. I can just hope that the Yankees come out there with a renewed vision and renewed energy and just try to take it to them in game four. It's pivotal. Because I, I don't see the Yankees winning three in a row. And what's up with your boy Stan? Because he uh, – an oblique injury from, from uh, you know, catching a ball or something. I have no idea how he hurt himself, but <laughs> but just consider this the lost season. But in in essence, he played so few games. You don't even really count him as part of the reason why they are where they are. 
It's just that you just can't not have his bat in the lineup at the playoffs because of who he is. It just makes things a little bit more difficult because they had to sit there. They had to set their uh, their overall twenty five man lineup, and because Stan got hurt, can they bring somebody up due to the fact of injury, or they had to stick you know stay true to the to the roster that they have for this particular uh, championship series? That's the that's the dilemma right there because they kept Luke Voigt off of this this series, but if they knew that. Uh, Stanton would have got hurt again, would they have kept Void off? And that's another big bat. <laughs> Might be one of those situations where if you take him off and you to allow you to bring somebody else on, then we might have to, you know, follow up follow up with that. He might be have to be out, period. <laughs> hey, I'm saying look, the formula was he was there like one eighth of the time, one ninth of the time. I say go I say go with you know with, with uh, what works. If he wasn't there 70, uh, 85, 90% of the time, go with that damn lineup and kind of to save him for the World Series. <laughs> yeah, because, uh, I mean, uh, sh- shout out to Gleyber Torres because he's having a, a hell of a, <laughs> a playoff run right about now. Dude, that was the biggest coup ever. <laughs> Woo! I know Chicago Cubs got to be, you know, kicking themselves. Not only did the New York Yankees fleece you for Gleyber Torres, but wound up and got Cesarino <laughs> right No, Was it Chapman? Chapman, yeah, the guy Chapman got, got Chapman right back. So that was, like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, you, you know, you know, the boss, George Steinbrenner, must have been up there in heaven, just like, good job, boys. <laughs> <laughs> They're like, all right, chap, look, this is what we're gonna do. We want you back. We're gonna trade you. You gonna come back? Yes, sir. All right, we're gonna get these players, and we can come back better than ever. All right, bet. That's how the conversation went. <laughs> exactly. All right, go ahead. We'll see you back here in, in a couple of months. We'll, we'll pay you handsomely. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why I love playoff baseball because it's just the drama is just – it's just it's just so much different than the regular season. The regular season is just a grind. It's just a marathon, just the proceedings. But this playoff is just – it's just pure chess at this particular point in time. You know what I mean? It's just – one coach versus the other, what you're going to do to make the best moves in order to, to win the game. And obviously, the coach from the uh, from the Nats pushed all the right buttons and had everything to do with pitching and some timely offense and putting up big runs. But the, this Yankee Astros series, you heard it here first. And as a Yankees fan, if the Yankees go down 3-1, the series is over in five. You heard it here first from uh, a, a lifelong Yankees fan. From birth, <laughs> forty-four years and counting. All righty, I have no predictions for this game. I, I look forward to a very um, intriguing and fun series. And um, you know, being from the Jersey area, you know, I, I will I will pull for the Yankees. But let's hope for a nice uh, a nice good series to go seven, nonetheless. To go seven, I am mad if Houston wins because obviously they, they had to go through the Yankees had to go through some tough pitching to get it to seven. Yeah, but uh, it wouldn't shock me if they lost in five. Either. <laughs> well, game, game, game four is tomorrow at eight o'clock, so you'll know by nine o'clock. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> like, am I turning the channel or am I staying tuned? <laughs> exactly. You know, by nine o'clock. 
how does it going to go? <laughs> All right. Well, enough baseball. I'm sure next week we'll be talking about the World Series and who's playing who. But moving right along over into the NBA. Man, oh, man. There are times when some people can just shut up and not say a word or to just go ahead and put their foot in the mouth thinking they're saying the right thing and just make things a little bit worse. I'm not saying he's my donkey today, but I'm just saying sometimes it's better not to say nothing at all. My man, LeBron. Just because you think you are the NBA, just because you think you are the face, just because you think you're the global icon, doesn't necessarily mean that you need to speak on some certain things. Certain things you just need to sit there and just be like, you know what? I recognize what's going on. I see it. Not commenting on it. <laughs> it keeps moving. But obviously he had to put his two cents into it. And, uh, and now it kind of just opened up the floodgates a little bit where folks over in China is burning his jerseys and doing all types of crazy stuff. So what is your take? Do you think he should have just shut up? Or do you think he was right in saying what he said about the GM from Houston? Well, I mean, he – I mean, they asked him his opinion. Um, he didn't have to give his opinion about the situation, but they asked him because he's LeBron James. He's the face of, you know, the league from a, player, from a player's perspective, really. He's the face of the league, period. Um, as of right now. So they asked his comments and opinions about it, and he gave it. Um, I don't agree with what – I didn't like what he said about Daramorian being un, uninformed and uneducated about the situation. Um, we don't know exactly in the context. he Because Daramorian put out that tweet, and he said last week, I thought last week it was too much money involved, all this was going to blow over, there's going to be a little speed bump. They'll get, they'll, you know, make Kumbaya, NBA, China, get back together and get back to making money, which I think essentially, essentially that's what's going to happen. I think that is happening at the moment. Um, but LeBron James saying what he said, I mean, yes, he has the right to voice his opinion, but you said that about that more, which I think is, wasn't the right thing to say. The optics of it looks made it appear like you were, you were, um, you know, siding with China, which you didn't necessarily say that. But the optics of what you said and how you went about it, you know, um, gave the appearance that you were more worried about yourself because there are other comments laced in there talking about, you know, you know, you have players, you know, you have players over here saying this stuff and. You know, you're putting us in this unfortunate situation. Now, if you would have came out and said that, you know, you know, I don't, I, I don't necessarily think that the timing of his comments are right. You know, you know, maybe he should have said this a week later, or maybe you just say something to the effect that, you know, I'm uninformed myself about all what's going on, so I'm not going to comment on that. That would have been fine. Um, but then you were very specific about your critique of Darren Murray's tweets. And then after that, you come back and say, well, I'm not that, you know, really informed about it, my, you know, as, you know, myself, and I'm just going to basically shut up and play basketball. And I'm not going to take any more questions. So if you're going to say what you said, 
then stick by what you said, but don't then backtrack in it because understand that not only does the NBA have, you know, business dealings in China, I'm pretty sure that you have some business dealings with some kind of China, you know, business entities, corporations, stuff that goes on in China. China is a huge market for the NBA and a lot of American businesses. So I'm sure that some of your businesses deal with some people from China. So you're probably trying to, on one hand, not rock the boat where it's going to be taking money out of your pocket. Because yeah. right now, it's the bottom line for everybody. You know, Adam Silver said what he said, and then he tried to kind of walk it back and saying that, you know, we agree with everybody having the right to say what they say. But, you know, he tried to walk the comments back to, to play a fine line. Um, I think he tried to go to the players when you flew over there and said, look, let us handle it. Don't say anything. I'll smooth things over. LeBron just says what he says. So it's just everybody's trying to protect their own interests. The NBA is trying to protect their business interests because there's a lot of money over there. Other players are trying to protect their interests because they have some dealings over there. Hell, even probably Stefan Marbury is trying to protect his interests right, in right. China. <laughs> um, but the comments sounded like he was more worried about the money that he was making and to a lesser degree a lot of the money that the players are making but not about what was actually going on over there in China and if you didn't care about the protest then just say I don't have an opinion about that right now I'm not you know fully informed about what's happening and try to articulate it in a way that it'll get across what you're trying to say but to be very specific what he said to Daryl Morey, I don't agree with it. Um, he's going to – eventually it'll go away because the NBA season starts next week. He'll get back to playing basketball. He'll dunk. He'll shoot. The Lakers start winning some games. And everybody will forget this, you know, specific incident. But the next time a certain situation comes out, you know, here in America where he's going to comment about it via social, social injustice outside the NBA, where there's going to be some issues within the NBA, his – I guess his credibility is going to be slightly lessened how the way that he framed his comments um, in this situation with China. I agree. Uh, I guess the bottom line is sometimes we just need to be just a little bit quiet and not speak on something would have served him just as good as this, you know, to sit there and say, I understand that when you're being interviewed and you get questions that, you know, asked of you that you sit there and you, you may feel the need to sit there and respond. But in that situation, nobody would have fought him if he just said, you know what, I have no comment on the situation. And everything would have been good. But I'm not saying LeBron was wrong in opening his mouth and saying what he said. I'm just saying that sometimes you just got to pick and choose when you want to sit there and say something versus sitting there and chiming in on what really is going on. And being that you may be familiar with Chinese culture, you may be familiar with Chinese politics, you may not know, you know everything that goes on in that scenario, in that situation. So it's better to just, you know, hey, I don't agree, whatever, but I'm not commenting on the situation. And just kept it moving. Yeah, it was more of a he was he, he stepping into a, a geopolitical topic and conversation out there. Um, and even I agree. I think Darren Moore's comments, he has the right to say what he wants to say. Maybe he could have waited a week until all the NBA you know, 
players and you know teams were back in the U.S. before we you know sent, sent that out. Even the owner of the Rockets said that we're not a political organization, blah blah blah. And so, on the one hand, I think Daryl Morey could have waited a week to say that, but at the same time, whether you're going to say it while they're there or whether you're going to say it while they're gone, someone's going to get their panties all in, in, in a bunch. Um, so with LeBron, I mean, he, he has the right to speak his mind about it. I don't, you know, it'd be unfortunate if he really gets a lot of heat about this. Um, he probably should have framed it a little bit better in his critique of Daryl Morey, or like you said, just maybe just say, you know what, I have no comment on the situation. We're just here to discuss basketball, mm-hmm. here to play in exhibition games. That's it. Yep. Taking that line doesn't, if you in your heart feel that you're with the, you know, the protesters in Hong Kong, I think saying that line doesn't lessen that. I mean, everybody wants to frame him to be like this social iconic figure, which some people says makes them better than, you know, Michael Jordan, because they want to frame him in the fact that he's sort of like, I guess, the Muhammad Ali of his era. But, you know, Muhammad Ali said his famous line about, you know, the Viet Cong years ago, and he wasn't going to fight over there in Vietnam because no Viet Cong called him a nigger. He stand, he stood behind his, you know, words. He didn't mince words. He didn't backtrack. He stood by the courage of his convictions and said it and meant it. So if you're going to say something, then stand behind it. Um, but just don't back chops. Well, you know, I, that's not really what I said. You meant what you said when you said it. Right. That's exactly what you meant. You know, now don't try to backtrack it or backwalk it or whatever. Either you're going to say what you're going to say and stand by it or don't say anything at all. Yeah. And, you know, and, and, and yeah, he, he shouldn't have to be asked to speak to those things, but you got to ask the question. And so either A, you can answer it truthfully, or B, if you don't want to ruffle any feathers, and there's nothing wrong with that, if you have some business dealings over there, that's your personal preference. Um, would that be considered selling out? Depends on your definition of selling out. <laughs> no, I, don't be- I just think that's calling it protecting your self-interest in your, your business practices. Because of the bottom line, is it, it, the money. <laughs> exactly. It's present money and future monies, which, you know, could be at stake if you upset the apple cart in one of the biggest markets that the NBA has going on. Well, <laughs> I know this might sound crazy. I say this jokingly, but they can move over to Japan. I mean, Japan has a, a big market as well. Maybe not as big as China, but. The money's still- <laughs> <laughs> they can. Not as big. <laughs> yeah, they got the money. <laughs> Technology is definitely over there. Um, yeah, but um, you know, I you know, to me, I don't think it diminishes LeBron James too much as like I said, NBA starts for its regular season next week. Once the game starts going, this topic is gonna to fall further and further into the into the rearview mirror. And they're going to be more focused on are the Los Angeles Lakers, A, going to make the playoffs, and B, win, win, the, um, win the chip. Right. I don't think they're going to do that, but right. <laughs> That's all they're going to want to focus on. That's all the NBA is going to want to focus on. And behind closed doors and, you know, in the back meetings, they'll smooth everything over with, with China because it's money for, it's money for both, both parties. 
Yeah, yeah, because I mean, the NBA is huge. It has a huge presence. The NBA, the hip hop, everything is huge over there in the Chinese culture. Um, I just don't know how quickly they're gonna, you know, they'll be able to recover from all this negative press. Uh, I hope they're able to sit there and get everything worked out because I'm not saying that the NBA technically needs China, but from a from but from a financial standpoint, those uh, those max those max contracts might uh, might fall a little short <laughs> coming over into the next couple of seasons. So salary cap will go down just a wee bit. Exactly. All those who think they're gonna sit there and get paid next year be like, hmm. Damn it, you GM from Houston. Why do you have to go out there and say what you said? <laughs> yeah, well, you're not going to get 25 this year. You might get 20 this year. Or you might, right. get, <laughs> you might get 18 this year. You're not going to get 25. Yeah, well, I just hope that uh, everything kind of works out. And I do hope that the NBA can kind of clean this up and get back in the good graces of China and continue their goodwill as far as Developing the NBA brand abroad, even you know beyond China, you know more to Europe. I mean, they're deep into Europe right now, but maybe more some of the uh, the Asian uh, countries outside of China. I know Japan is probably big, but some of the smaller countries as well. But uh, we shall see. I'm sure this is going to be a long season. I'm sure they're going to work it out somehow together. They may have to humiliate themselves and. Uh, you know, and eat a nice slice of humble pie and say some things that they probably wouldn't normally say and just kind of keep it moving. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, it's it's one person from one team making a comment and, you know, you can kind of walk it around. I always thought that if this went on too long, that somebody was going to have to fall on the sword. Um, I think, like I said, Adam Silver and his team is trying to, Men, men fences and be like, hey, you know, we all got money, you know, tied up. Do we really want to, you know, go there with this? Do you really want us to say we're going to take our ball and basically go home? Do do we like your money? Yes. Do we necessarily need your money? Nope. No. <laughs> there are levels of this stuff that we can deal with without having you, you know, in there. And at the end of the day, who's going to suffer? Because the game's still going to be played. Now, the level of money going around might not be as much as it was in the past, but the game's still going to be played. And guess what? You're going to be out because you're not going to have the product. We won't, we're going to lose your money, but guess what? We were still making money before you really got in there. So at the end of the day, everybody is always about the dollar <laughs> or the yen. <laughs> right. The almighty. <laughs> this is all that talks right here, man. This is all that talks. And if it don't, and if it don't make dollars a yen, it don't make sense. Exactly, you read my mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, sir, man, I tell you, we can sit here and talk about NBA. We ain't even talking about the preseason. We're not even talking about Zion catching thirty three quarter uh, half court alley oops from uh, from uh, Zoe. Unimpressed. Eh, still preseason, but you know, you never know. They, New New Orleans might. Shock some people with just their youth and athleticism and just their exuberance. They might turn around and shock a few people, but you know, that's where they're gonna get. 
<laughs> but how can we go a week without discussing the NFL? Just can't. I'm happy we can go a week without you know discussing Anthony. Uh, uh, damn, he's been out of league for two weeks. I can't think of his name. Uh, Antonio Brown. Yes. We haven't talked about Antonio other than the grievance he filed against the NFL for $61 million. Uh, it has not been uh, determined if he's going to get that money, but he's going to get some. We do know this. I, I do believe that New England's going to have to owe him nine. have no idea what the, uh, the uh, Oakland is going to have to turn around and pay the man, but I'm sure he's going to get paid. And then because of his superior talent, and he stays in fantastic shape, when all said and done and all this legal stuff just blows over and nothing comes out of it, he'll be in somebody's camp next year just because he is who he is. You get it. We're going to move on. But we need to talk about this Jalen Ramsey trade from Jack from the Jaguars to the uh, to, to, uh, to the Rams. And the Rams gave up two first-round picks. Uh, so I, it's my understanding that they will have no two round, uh, no first round picks until 2024. Uh, they gave they gave up um, the 2020 first round pick. They gave up 2021 first round pick. They will have the 2022 if they didn't get that up. And they, oh, will have, they will have the 2023 if that's not they didn't give that up. You know, along the way. And then they gave up their 2014, I think, fourth round pick. So in other words, they they strapped. <laughs> they uh, they ain't had no first round picks for quite some time, unless they parlay and make some trades to give up some of their talent. Well, they had to give up some talent to get Jared Goff. <laughs> uh, well, I mean, he's playing all right. I mean, he's. I think. I think their biggest concern is – I don't think they're so much concerned about giving up first-round picks because, yes, first-round picks can, ha- you know, definitely help. But they have the talent. They have the, the will to, to do well for the next couple of years. I think their biggest concern is that big contract they gave Gurley. Because uh, Gurley, uh, unlike uh, Brock Osweiler, <laughs> if, if, if you don't know, he retired today. I, whoa, I didn't know that. Oh, well. He retired today, and uh, he fleeced the NFL for millions. <laughs> a, lot of, a, lot of, a lot of them out there did. It just ain't him. <laughs> hey, Gurley might have done just the same thing, too. <laughs> You're like, you know what? I secured my bag. If I don't play again, so be it. I gave them what I can give them, and I'm going to go ahead and live comfortably as long as I sit there and buy stupid cars and houses and spend my money on hoes. You like know. I said. <laughs> Money clothes and hose. <laughs> right. But uh I think that's the Rams' biggest concern. Because yes, like you know, first round picks don't always necessarily hit or miss, and depending on where you're picking in the first round, doesn't necessarily mean they're gonna be instant success for the team. But it's the amount of money that they put they poured into uh certain players that uh I think that's going to really haunt them. But this whole Jalen Ramsey thing would not be possible if they didn't trade Marcus Peters to the the Ravens. And Marcus Peters, uh, the Ravens had to turn around and give up one of their linebackers 
gave up a couple draft picks, but they didn't give up any first round picks. I, I don't know the uh, specifics off the back of my hand. I can pull it up here shortly. Oh, uh, Marcus Peters. Um, yeah. yeah, trade Marcus Peters to the Ravens. Um, I think they they just almost like gave him away. <laughs> Pretty much. Um, and, uh, I'm sorry. Let me rephrase that. I'm sorry. I had that right wrong. It was two first round picks, 2021 and 2020, and a fourth round in 2021 for Jalen Ramsey. Yeah. They gave up the farm for him. <laughs> Whatever little bit of the farm they had left. Yeah, well, on the one hand, you can look at it like this way because um, I guess they're banking on the fact that they're still going to be good over the next two years. So that first, those first-round picks are going to be lower picks, not top, you know, five, but probably, you know, anywhere between 20 and 32. So they're trying to bank on the fact that, well, hey, they're probably not going to be that high. So we don't, we're not, you know, under the gun for having to pay anybody, you know, a high rookie salary moving forward. So they're probably thinking that's the best case scenario. But, um, but to me, I didn't think necessarily it was the it was the defense of the Rams that was the problem. It's the offensive line of the Rams that's the problem, as well as Todd Gurley. Um, Todd Gurley not playing there, being that effective back is definitely affecting their offense because they can't play action pass that well. Um, they gave up C.J. Anderson, so you don't have a, a running back that can really bang in there. So there's no one that they really fear at the moment. So basically, well, watch your offensive line, your left tackle being, you know, out and your, right, and your other right guard being out. I mean, it's like, you know, a parade in the backfield to get the Jared Goff. Now he's getting an itchy trigger finger, so he's doing bad, and he's doing bad for my fantasy league. Right. So. I had to sit his butt down. Um, yeah. <laughs> um, but um, it's the offense. It's the offense that's not clicking out well. They need some. They need to address their line. <laughs> Can't do it right now, so you have to do it in the offseason. But they got to address that line. For better or for worse, you're stuck with Todd Gurley. So you either got to send him to wherever Adrian Peterson went, <laughs> get him that same procedure, have him come back, and hopefully he can, you know put up some same numbers, but until that line, that running running game can, you know, pull people into that box, your receivers aren't going to be able to do anything, and Jared Goff has no time to do anything, and he's looking like he's not worth that money <laughs> they just gave him two months ago. But you know what? I, I respect LA's gangster, though, because they recognize that the, the NFL is a, is a win-now league. If you don't go in right now and get what you need, you may not ever get this. You know, you may never get to see that window. Uh, like the uh, like the Chargers, Chargers always had Philip Rivers. They always had decent uh, defenses, but they never had the key pieces needed to propel them to that next level. L.A. went out there. I think also what's really hurting them is they lost uh, Indomit and Sue. Because when you had Sue and you had uh, my other D tackle, I can't think of his name right now. Arnold or Flowers? Arnold. Okay. And you had Sue and Arnold going out there and just wreaking havoc. That plays a whole toll on on the overall defense. Where 
where you thought that your DBs were decent. You know, Alib, uh, Talib is older, and Peters, he's been – he's not the same Peters he was back in the day. You can overcompensate because you had a defensive front that was really going up there, you know, causing havoc and making it difficult for uh, quarterbacks to, to do what they need to do. But you lose a suit and everything else, I think that was the real key piece. That I'm not saying he would have been a difference maker, but I'm just saying the defense probably wouldn't look as bad as they look now if Sue was still there. Yeah, because I mean you have you have Sue on one side, you have you know Aaron Donald in the middle, and you have Flowers you know on the other side. So it's like you know you got to you know try to you know double team, chop block, worry about scheme. I mean you. You know, you put all your, you know, your, your eggs in one basket to block Aaron Donald, and then you let Sue come around, or you let Trey Flowers come around. All right, then you try to, you know, spread it out, and then now you get Aaron Donald gets one-on-one action. You, you, you know what he can do. Mm-hmm. And doing all that pressure, you know, up front. Then you have Marcus Peters and, you know, you know Talib in the backfield that were able to do something they just haven't produced this year at all. So I'll, it could work out there for their benefit. I don't know if the benefit is going to show itself this year um not i don't think immediately um depending on how they use Jalen ramsey but i mean you're gonna have ramsey in a secondary you're gonna have aaron donald up front so that's a formidable one-two punch you know and flat and and fowler as well so that's a formidable one-two punch out there so right and you know his contract is up come you know after this season, so you won't have to pay that man. You wouldn't have give, given up that stuff if you weren't intending on paying them. And I think the Rams are, like you said, going for broke. They're going to spend what they can right now and try it again. I mean, they got so close. You know, they were just one, in my opinion, one running back away from a <laughs> one at all. If they had a healthy Tiger like he was at the beginning of last season, I think that, that, that Super Bowl would have been a totally different story. Well, you know, it's crazy how they say that the the value of the running back isn't the value of it maybe 20 years ago. But still, it's the running back who pretty much dictates how things will go. All the passing in the world, don't do your hill of beans if you can't sit there and run the ball effectively at least 20 to 25 times a game. So their value, though, they may not be valuable in a price standpoint. It's still very much valuable in an offensive standpoint. And it's showing because the Rams don't have that viable one-two points like one-two points like they had last year. And it's it's showing volumes because now they can they can key in on golf and expose golf. <laughs> He's getting really exposed right about now and Sean McVay, you know, is you know, the offensive scheme that he had popping last year, you know, mm-hmm. that everybody was marveling about, you know, you lose some pieces, notably your running back, <laughs> and really an offense, you know, one of the offensive linemen, the man gets exposed. Exactly. Before I say he gets exposed, the offense stalls. And they can't operate at a, at a high level that it was prior. Well, I mean, when you think about the offensive talent, the 
the the Rams have talent up and down from wide, you know, from running back, wide receiver, quarterback. Uh, I just think that I'm not saying their offense is a gimmick because obviously it's not a gimmick, but teams have had the opportunity to sit there and digest what they did all of last year. And now they can adjust their defenses accordingly to to better schematically, you know, put up against or, you know, defend against that particular offense. So I just don't – I think McVay being a a great offensive mind, I don't think he trans – I don't think he – progressively made the offensive offense better for LA as opposed for defensive coordinators kind of keying in on tendencies from last year. So I think McVay probably needs to also do a better, you know, a better job with uh, being a little bit more innovative with the offense. Cause you always got to stay one step ahead of the defense or, or defensive coordinators or, you know, it just won't be as effective, <laughs> obviously. Yeah, and, and I and I take that scenario going back to what you had said about you know running backs being marginalized or devalued. You know what's happening to the Rams, and in, in a little bit effect is happening to the Kansas City Chiefs. And I think that happened, and both of their issues started around the same time because you think about it, Todd Gurley got hurt maybe tail into the season. They kind of sat him out as precautions, but you saw the offense wasn't really clicking. They had the one game in where he was there, a couple with C.J. Anderson, they ran a rock down, you know, you know, Dallas' throat. But then when he got in the Super Bowl, um, you know, they couldn't effectively run the rock because you still – you didn't have a threat of Todd Gurley not only just running through the, you know, you know, Running the running the gaps, but actually catching the ball out the backfield. Um, Chiefs when they lost Kareem Hunt, the offense wasn't clicking as as well as it was. I mean, they still had overall receivers. I mean, you still had you know Tyree Kill, you still had Travis Kelsey, you still had all those receivers out there that were still able to you know to make the difference. Um, but you saw in that uh, in that um, game against the um, the Patriots where they needed to be able to run the rock and slow things down and keep Tom Brady on the sideline. They didn't have a running back that they can really go to to do that. This year, you see the offense, it's not blowing anybody out like it did last year. People are really catching up to them because you don't got that running back in there that's a threat, not just running, but a threat catching. So now your offense has to change, but they still have weapons out there. But that offense isn't running as efficiently as it was because you don't have either Kareem Hunt with um, the Chiefs and you don't have a healthy Todd Gurley with the Rams. So I agree with you that they're being devalued, but when you really need them is in playoff time when it's time to slow it down. You don't got to throw the ball a whole bunch of times. You want to be able to run that rock, take time off the clock. And I think now they're still going to do their due, but – it's going to catch catch up with them. And I think Kansas City is starting to catch up with them a little bit sooner than I thought. Yeah. Uh, defensive coordinators are kind of locking down on uh, Mahomes now. I mean, he's still passing for three, over 300 yards, but he's not getting the touchdowns like he once was. Mm. So it'll be interesting to kind of see and kind of go from there, you know. So 
Still a long season. It's only been six weeks. I think this is week seven or this is week eight. I think it's week seven. Seven. So they got one more week before the trade deadline. I think it's what, after week eight, I believe. So yep. there'll be plenty of drama between now and next next Wednesday when we speak again. So, But as it is, you know, it's about that time where we need to start winding down. Uh, again, there's so many sports that we haven't even touched topics on. You know, we can just keep going and going and going. We'll never stop. But I do want to give one before we go. I do want to give one quick shout out um, or acknowledgement to um, um, the young American teenager tennis golfer Coco Golf, who won her first um, WTA Tour title um, in the in the uh, Lentz Open um, either this past weekend um, by beating Helena. I'm going to screw the name up. Um, Ostapenko. Helena Ostapenko. Um, she beat her in the um, the Lentz Open, Lentz Open um, this past weekend on Sunday for her first title. I think she's only age 16 right now. Um, so, you know, I, I guess the jury is still out there if she's going to be that next it tennis player um, from America or, or that next tennis player, it tennis player, period. I mean, you still have Naomi Osaka, and you still have a lot of other good players out there. I mean, Serena's still there, but, you know, I love Serena Williams, but she's on the back nine of her right. career. Definitely. Definitely. Um, I think she's holding out to to try to at least, you know, have the record of the most, you know, open t- open titles before she calls – I mean, Grand Slams before she calls it quits. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think her time is slowly approaching. But um, just want to give shout-outs to her. You know, congratulations. Um, she's going to be in the Australian Open. Um, like I said, it's it's still out there. Um, I don't, I'm not sure if she's going to be the it person. There's still, you know, a lot of tennis to be played, and her career is really just starting. But, you know, I want to give her definitely shout-outs and say congratulations to her. Well, she's off to a fabulous, uh, fabulous start. So we just hope that she has sustained uh, success. And carry on that torch uh, of women of color out there dominating the sport of tennis. So, you know, props to Coco Golf and her sustained success. So, with that being said, it's just not a show without touching on tennis, even if it is for just about 45 seconds. <laughs> <laughs> As you can see, we're kind of diverse. You know, we don't, we may not talk about golf a lot or tennis. Well, we have our we have our, uh, our ear to the uh, to the streets about what's going on. Yeah, so we'll talk next week about some shots that uh, Brooks Kepka said about Roy McIlroy in an interview um, about whether he thought Rory McIlroy was competition. I'm sure he says no, but we'll talk about that next week. <laughs> yes, and that, he said that and more. <laughs> <laughs> oh, with that being said, man, where can folks find you? You can find me on the Gram, Snapchat, and Twitter at J.E. Ross, the number seven. And you can find me on Twitter at uh, CatDaddy1963. That's CatDaddy1963 on Twitter. So once again, folks, we really do appreciate all the listens, all the views, all of the likes. Please use our social media to your advantage. If you have questions, concerns, comments, whatever, we don't care. We don't discriminate. Just come on and just drop us a note. 
Let us know how you feel, how you think. If we're missing out on something, we should be talking about cricket or polo or croquet. You know, let us know. We're, we're, we might have to do some research on it, <laughs> but we'll talk about it. <laughs> so, with that being said, until our next episode of Guys Talking Sports, and I swear to God, if Al don't come here next week with some intriguing news about China, I'm pissed because then that means he didn't go to China. And then where the hell was he? Was he at oh. Wings, eating wings, watching watching basketball preseason? Because you know he loves basketball, so that's probably where he is. And he just didn't want to treat us with wings. I'd be mad about that because I love wings. So, oh. <laughs> so with that being said, until next week, thank you. And we look forward to yet another episode.